This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? This is Matthew Cruz with Comstock Investments. We have Joe Camp with us from our Bloomington, Illinois office. And we have a new voice. And for those that are watching this, the new face, Brianne Hendrickson, coming to us all the way from Central Texas. Say hello, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good afternoon. Good. So jumping right in. You know, we had a great close here this week. Uh, Monday, I think, well, maybe I'm speaking for myself. We were kind of gloom and in doom a little bit. We were breaking through those support levels. I think I was starting to get a little bit concerned, but we finally started to form a bottom, it looks like, at least temporarily. I don't know that kind of the bearishness is all over yet, but we've found some footing here and we had a strong close. And Beans had a had a good week. Hopefully we can continue into that. Joe, what are your perceptions of the week? And, you know, is this just based off of the warmer weather outlook? Is there anything else we can kind of hang our hat on? What do you think? Yeah, well, to your point about the finish, it's much different than the way we started this week. So a tale of two halves for sure. We rewind back to earlier and we had that pressure breaking the new lows for the corn market after the crop condition ratings improved by more than expected. And we had for corn, I think the good to excellent score moved two points above where it was a year ago. And this is after at one point in June, it being behind by 17 percentage points. So that's a big swing. And it does account for a lot of the weakness here that we have had better conditions. But yeah, we're not out of the woods yet uh, either. If you look ahead at the forecast and the way that the next two weeks swing back drier and warmer, the idea has got to be that those crop scores retreat from here. And that's what I think left us with a more friendly attitude here at the end of the week. And just the simple fact that there was certainly some short covering after the fresh selling early on. The fact that some of the chart support came into play here, like for wheat, was I think a factor. Chicago wheat just barely holding above its two-year low from late May at 6.08. So that helped corn. And ultimately, even with wheat down a little bit for the week, uh, we did have corn and soybeans finish higher over the five sessions. And that would be for corn, you know, the first time we've had an up week after three straight down weeks. Now, it looks like we've, you know, got a better start at least set up for that potential heading into next week now. yeah i'm looking forward to the warm weather we're going to have some at least speaking for central iowa we're going to have some days that are going to be in the you know lower 100s and so you're going to see a lot of moisture demand here with crops right now it's still it's probably not going to affect the corn quite as much but it still can right i mean we're kind of in the the ear filling stage right now we were out uh, early this week doing some yield tests out in the field and it's still got a ways to go to fill those ears out and at least in, in my soybean farm you know it, i'm i'm probably a couple of weeks behind from where i'd like to be we're still farming some of the pods so we're not even in filling those pods yet but we got plenty of water where we're at we're kind of fortunate you could easily go back and see some stress on those areas that don't have as much subsoil moisture and maybe on some of those sandier soils as well and so i think i guess i'm looking for 
possible reduction in the crop progress on Monday, and at the very least, probably staying the same. Do you agree with that, or what do you think we'll see there? It does seem to be the call that we would be down a few points here on the crop ratings on Monday afternoon, because, you know, aside from a small round of scattered showers that moved through the Midwest on Thursday morning, it's been otherwise dry since last weekend. And so that leads us up into this really dry period now ahead that looks to last for at least uh, nine or 10 days. So going forward, that is going to be a source of stress again on this crop. And yeah, that's how my feeling is that we're going to use all that moisture, all of the crop's energy here trying to survive instead of really finish out those ears or to build the beans. So we could have maybe through the better weather at the beginning of this month, helped out some of the nodes to really build up, but not necessarily to to grow bigger beans. And that can leave us with some, I think, deterioration on yield expectations going forward. It'll be interesting next week, as hot as it is when everybody's on those crop tours, and maybe that'll bias their attitudes a bit when they're out traipsing around the fields and, and trying to collect samples where Things will look tough and kind of feel tough out there, I would expect. It looks like, I mean, most of what we're counting on here in the market for a rally is the weather. And while I think that'll have an impact next week, the question is, how long is it going to last? And so I'm looking for other bullish items that we can focus on. And I don't find a heck of a lot out there until for the next couple of months, other than weather. You know, we've seen some market reaction to the upside based off a lot of the drone strikes and the Ukraine, but at the same time, the market seems to be becoming more numb to that kind of news. You know, it's just kind of the boy that cried woof that something happens and then the market retracts. And then there's another missile attack and the market rallies and then it pulls back. And so do you see anything else out there that, other than weather that we should look at or get excited about other than weather here in the, in the next couple of months? Partly it would have to be that all of those bearish items you mentioned have just been now rehashed and rehashed and really dialed into the market. They've certainly encouraged additional selling from those hedge funds, which in the Chicago wheat market, for example, have pushed their net short position back towards 100,000 contracts. So now we could be in a mode where even the disappointment of not having a real sustained follow through on the upside when we get these news items is enough to encourage some short covering and some profit taking that lead us higher. The other side of it, what you'd really need to be able to continue an upside recovery would be, I think, a a more notable shift into a bullish demand type. Uh, market. We're, of course, rightfully so focused on supply and what weather will mean for production over these next several weeks. But we can't lose sight of, you know, having to use this crop. And as bearish as we have been, there are some signs uh, that we're getting better on the demand front. And that would include, like this morning, a weekly corn sale, a daily corn sales announcement for uh, corn sold to Mexico. We've had a string of soybeans sold to China. And back to corn, one thing interesting that I noted here today was that International Grains Council tr- monitoring export prices and finally showed that U.S. corn offers out of the Gulf have uh, fallen just below those from Brazil's port of Paranagua. Like you've told us with your insight on Brazil, Brazil's in charge right now on on corn exports. But 
that we've fallen to these levels, whereas, you know, just three weeks ago, we were as much as 10%, you know, in price above Brazil. It does bode well for demand potentially going forward. This recent price break has done a lot to restore competitiveness. Yeah, that's a good way to put it is is that at least right now, I read the same thing. It looks like our corn is competitively priced for export with that of Brazil, which it seems like is rarely the case more and more, unfortunately. Two, I guess one thing that I wanted to maybe talk about or point out that we've discussed here this week is there has been some rumblings that in the September crop report, we may see corn acres go even higher yet. We've talked to some analysts that have suggested that some of the FAS numbers are as much as 800,000 acres more just in Iowa and Illinois alone than what was reported previously. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think that that will be the case? What are your thoughts? Because that, that would not be good. We do not want that to happen at all. Right. I think it's up in the air as it always is. My feeling with the FSA data is that it's very hard to connect to what the USDA NAS puts out on their balance sheet because the FSA data usually has uptrending type of move as more certifications come in. There's also this idea that over the years it's gotten better and better and that it doesn't increase by as much Uh, into the fall months as it used to. And so for that reason, it it is hard to track relative to uh, what we're going to see on the balance sheet next month. That is a risk, though. I would think that even as I've heard the same things that you're hearing, analysts suggesting that the acres could come up from what they see out of the FSA data, there are still others who would suggest that, you know, they've crunched the numbers and they don't feel like it's reason enough that Uh, we should be worried about acres increasing. I also think there's still some potential that we could find more prevent plant acres than anticipated. Like we've already dialed in that, yes, prevent plant acres are way less than a year ago, but actually there were considerable enough prevent acres relative uh, to a normal year uh, that they could, you know, offset what would otherwise be uh, maybe some acreage gains still to come as suggested by the FSA n- numbers. So you look at those prevent plant numbers and they were still considerable enough for corn and soybeans that maybe that's the offset here. So I don't want to get too bearish yet on expecting acres to increase when already they surprised us on the on the bearish side for corn in June and bullishly so for soybeans. So upcoming for next week, of course, is the famous or perhaps infamous pro farmer crop tour. And uh, I think people maybe usually pay pretty close attention to it, even though they might not always put a lot of faith into it. But it is pretty interesting where people are actually going out there and they're checking the yield, which is important. And, you know, I've heard it both ways. I've heard people say, oh, I got out into it. And it's actually you know, the the ears look better and the paws look better than what I was expecting. It seems like we've gotten a lot of chatter from farmers and our customers saying the opposite, that no, it's not there. It's just not uh, as good as it was. And that that drought damage um, really hurt us in June. And while we've recovered, it's just not as good as as, uh, what we were expecting. So do you hear that same thing? I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think we'll see? Yeah, I think we are potentially set up for some disappointment that this is the type of the year where, say, the crop ratings or just the simple eye test of looking at it from the road uh, can be deceiving uh, because of that 
stress that we had at different points throughout the season. We can think about leading up uh, into July 4th when we did finally get some rains in the middle of the country. That was a stressful time. We had started to shoot tassels when that corn crop was awfully short, got some rain, and I think spent that moisture up trying to just green up and grow taller, but not necessarily uh, coming at the right time for pollination to sync up with when the crop was silking. So that's where we have potential issues with the tip back and a shallow kernel depth and these ears just not filling out like we'd like them to. And you're going to need that in states like Illinois and Iowa, even though Illinois is marked down from a year ago, the average estimate on the last crop report was still for the state to produce a 200 bushel average. And for Iowa, they're up over last year at 201 versus 200. And so that's a lot to live up to in my mind. And it's a a crop tour like we're going to see next week that can start to finally give us a little bit more info on that. And eventually, I think it's important too, because that's going to be the determining feature of these next couple of crop reports that August was the first one where the USDA used farmer surveys uh, to estimate yield. But going forward in September and October, they're going to have crop scouts out there looking at samples and that if we see that starting next week, the crop maybe is not all out there, quote unquote, uh, then that could lead to even further yield cuts in my mind in the coming couple of crop reports, which makes me want to be still you know, somewhat cautiously bullish from here uh, because of the supply side. Let's switch to livestock. We've given up some ground in cattle this week. Perhaps some of that was due a lot to corn prices. You tell me, I think there are cash premiums are still positive. So where do we go from here? Is this the kind of the beginning of the end or is this just kind of a brief reprieve before we keep moving higher like we've done all year? So far, it's shaping up that this is maybe potentially a correction of sorts after this record run-up, which had been justified by short supplies, which are very much still a bullish feature of this market. And I say that knowing that the Catalan feed report just came out with some friendly relative to expectation type estimates with placements down 8%. We're still not rebuilding this herd like we'd like to at this point. We're still having issues with pasture problems and drought uh, across the South. And that has supported prices because of the short availability of fed cattle. That does support some upside here leading into next week, potentially after uh, what you noted was a slide this week, five lower sessions in a row for live cattle, finally up a little bit on short covering Friday, probably sets us up for a good upside reaction on Monday. But, you know, they don't call it the cattle on fade report for nothing. We'll see how that goes uh, to start out next week. But yeah, I think there's still the expectation that this market's bullish based on the fundamentals and that we're going to get tighter yet before we grow supply eventually early next year. In the case of the hogs, we had a great close for the week. We bounced off pretty hard off of our lows. I guess I'm looking for some more continued upside momentum here going into the next week. I think you talked about there is a gap left open. Where is that gap, and uh, what do you what do you see happening next week there? Yeah, there's a gap for the December hogs just below 75. We got awfully close to it, but didn't close it on Friday's session. The bullish move on Friday, I think, was a feature of the board trying to close some of the gap that had been left open on the cash end of it 
which was admittedly weaker here. We've got some concern overall about cash prices maybe breaking now into the close of the summer, but still we're looking at a big discount down to say that December contract below 75 bucks, a hundred weight. And that compares to with an August futures contract that just expired here Monday this week at around $102. So you think about that spread 102 to 75, a cash price that's still uh, maybe $90 or a little bit higher. And there's room that we could have some convergence up on the future side, whereas there might be also the risk that the cash come down a little bit here. Overall, production is expected to grow here into this fourth quarter, uh, but then it'll get smaller again early next year. So I don't think we've got to be too bearish the hogs after a pretty positive close here this week. Well, kind of wrapping up, I mean, what strategies would you give producers right now who maybe you know, don't have a marketing plan right now? I mean, they want to look to targets to hedge if we get another potential rally or look at, we've talked about selling some calls, but maybe you aren't quite at that point yet. What would you suggest to producers? Obviously, harvest is approaching, so we want to get a handle on what we're going to be potentially letting go and at what prices and what might be stored and and then targeting, you know, for how long and and what prices into, say, these deferred contracts would be acceptable. And starting with, you know, sales targets, first, we're going to see if December corn futures can get back above $5. If they would rally, it looks like there's some resistance up in the 525, the 535 range, where we might turn more defensive and want to be hedgers or sellers. And the other piece of recommendation that we've been talking about with customers is really taking a note right now of where basis values are at. In some areas, they're still much better than seasonally they would be. And I know it came out in a recent report that if you're going to have some bushels, you know you're not going to store, that you're going to sell across the scale, maybe get ahead on pricing the basis on those. And I would say Uh, Look particularly at where values are offered out in the processing plants, because despite, you know, what has been a sluggish export trade, the ethanol, the biodiesel end of it all has been much more bullish and supports a better bid from those folks, at least for now. So if you've got a better than usual type of bid, consider one locking in the basis. Otherwise, having some patience over the next couple of weeks to see a continued rally uh, is something we're going to use before we, we make any more recommendations to sell new crop at this point. Soybean sales could come sooner because they have held up relatively better than corn. And so if we're looking at a November futures contract around 353 right now, well, there's a gap above the market at I think around 1378 or 1379. If we got anywhere close to $14 again, I think we'd want to move the needle and get some soybean sedge. Remind our listeners, Joe, what's the rule on trading gaps? Is it that they usually or almost always get filled but not guaranteed? Is that kind of the, the general idea? Usually you'd expect the gap to be filled if you're starting to bounce and head back up towards it like we are on the soybeans. Sometimes a gap opening can you know, lead to more in the same direction if it's a so-called measuring gap. We had that recently, I think, in the corn market where we fell by you know so many cents, for example, you know, 40 cents, and then gapped lower and kept going. And so the extension was that you'd have another potentially 40 cents down before you'd mark out a potential area of support. But then when you rebound back up, there's going to be targets on wanting to get back there and fill it. 
And I think that's what we're looking for right now on the soybean. Sometimes gaps can come in exhaustion after a move is over. And you want to be careful on those not to be chasing a a market in the same direction, if that's the case. But um, this one seems to have been a measuring gap that we're heading back up to test on the resistance side. Well, good. Well, I think that's pretty much all we have for today. Uh, Looking forward to next week, hearing back from Eric Relf. He's doing a little bit of a crop tour right now, driving through uh, Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, and Kansas. And so I think we'll we'll hear from him what he sees in the in the crop potential in those areas next week. So thank you, Joe, for sharing your time and thoughts with us. Everybody have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Everybody have a good weekend. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.